Welcome to Metaphysical. In our first episode on time slips, we talked about the strange phenomena of people suddenly disappearing in one place and then ending up minutes or hours in the future, which doesn't make any sense. Today, we're going to bring you the craziest stories we found about time slips plus data John Vivanco's team found when they were remote viewing some of these weird events and a personal story from John himself. Did you think the Beatles were the most interesting thing to come to Liverpool? Well, join remote viewer John Vivanco and me investigative researcher Rob Counts for a show that's out of this world. And if you're listening to the Metaphysical podcast or watching uh, us on a video platform, please leave a five-star rating and review to help us reach even more people. Also, make sure you subscribe wherever you're watching us. John, how are you? Good. Good. I'm excited Good. for this one. Again? Can't contain be... you. I can't contain you, man. Yeah, I'm too. I'm, this, this stuff excites me too much, you know? Yeah, I know. This is cool stuff. It's weird. Um, hey, and, um, weird. you know, we started our last episode. We were talking a little bit about um, this MRI machine, the idea of this MRI machine. And I know we were we were kind of had talked about a, a, a cyclotron. Right. Yeah. Cyclotron. I now know that, cyclotrons use magnets for particle acceleration. Well, and I think that that's really interesting because the MRI machine seems to be so similar in certain ways in terms of what it's doing. Um, then just the look, the overall oh. simplified look. Right. OK, but so. Oh, yeah. So this is I mean, what can you do with spinning neodymium magnets? Really? That's <laughs> that's the question. I think there's a lot that you can do with them because. If you think of that guy, Joe Parr, who did the experiment with, uh, he had a centrifuge mm. lined with neodymium magnets and a pyramid in the middle of it. He was an electrical en engineer and a pyramid researcher. Yeah. And he spun this, created this electromagnetic field around a pyramid to try to understand like what it would do. And he found that there was an energy field, that really big energy field that was created by it, a bubble like a bubble energy field that was created by it. So there's, I think there's a ton that you can do um, in the whole spinning neodymium magnet area with uh, creating electromagnetic fields that just, you know, the regular person doesn't actually try or get into, but they do it a lot for scientific purposes. Um, and, you know, we see that with the MRI cyclotron, all, you know, those types of things. But I think there's a lot of really weird experimentation you can do. And that's something that has to be, that's something, I don't know. I would really love to set up a huge experiment utilizing all these different things that we've seen with remote viewing one of these days. Well, I've one got, a, I've got a, a big backyard now. So if you ever want to stop by, we'll start. Yeah. <laughs> got a big backyard. Well, hey, um, you know, one of the, we were talking about on our last episode how, a lot of this phenomena seem to happen around certain places. Like you're more likely to find it occurring in a, in a, in the same place rather than kind of scattered about. Right. And uh, what it came down to, what seemed like it, what it came down to was these strange electromagnetic disturbances. There is a place, a very popular place in UK where I found a lot of this stuff going on that you people at home may have, may have heard of before. It's called bold street in Liverpool in the UK. And Bold Street has multiple accounts of people experiencing strange time slips. And these time slips aren't exactly the same as the ones in the in the first episode, because these time slips are more almost going back and seeing 
something in the past, like the way that the street was in the past and then, and then finding themselves back into the right time. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's real. I mean, imagine that you're like walking somewhere and then all of a sudden everything changes to a different time in the past. And then you can't explain any of it. And you, you know what I mean? I think there, I mean, they, they even had interaction. The ones that have interaction are really bizarre. Um, and that's the curious part where shop owners, um, are talking to the people that are in the time slip because that kind of takes it out of this idea that it's a ghost ghostly phenomena. Right. right? Or that you're imagining it like, or, you know, that it's an empty place, but it's just how it was in the past or something like, no, you're like walking by people and interacting with them. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think there was even one account. I don't think here uh, where somebody came back with proof of envelopes that they bought in a little store that didn't exist anymore. Um, and then in the uh, Bold Street one, I think the the whole there was some interactions between the people from both time from both time realms. So they so they say because you know okay so think about this is in um, what Liverpool Liverpool UK yeah, Liverpool yeah so think about the history of that place. I mean that's got to be for one thing a ghost hunter like paranormal central. Because it's so old, you mean? Because it's so old, you know? You're going to have tons and tons of activity there. You're going to have buildings that are full of all sorts of energies, stuck energies. So that's kind of interesting from the standpoint of um, a time slip there. But I don't think we're dealing with a ghost phenomena when it comes to the time slips, especially, you know, as referencing there. I just don't think we are. I think it's something different because of the, the whole scene changing. Mm. You know, I mean, it's like stepping into a haunted location. You can pick up the the emotions from the past, the visuals from the past, if you're psychic, if you're sensitive. But for it to happen to so many people there, I don't think it's a ghosty phenomenon. Well, and then not just happening where, you know, I mean, I imagine like getting a psychic hit is different than being like, what is this strange environment I'm in? And you can walk into the shops and do things, right? So this this one story is really interesting. Um, so it was July of 1996, off-duty policeman, guy's name is Frank, goes shopping with his wife in Liverpool. Her name's Carol. She went to buy a copy of Irvine Welsh's Train Spotting at this bookshop called Dylan's. And that's on Bold Street. And he went to purchase a CD at HMV on, I think it's called Rain Law Street. So he bumps into a friend. He has a chat. And then about 20 minutes later, he basically uh, walks over to Bold Street, you know, to reconvene with his wife. So he, you know, he's strolling up the incline from this place called Central Station. And he notices... Um, just this kind of what we were talking about in our previous episode, this like weird quietness, right? And it's a, it, it, it's a cobbled stone street, but it wasn't before. So now all of a sudden he finds himself on a cobblestone street and um, he, he looks around and people are not wearing clothes from the 90s. They're, they're wearing clothes from the 50s. 
So, you know, Frank basically was, of course, kind of startled by this. And then he hears a, a loud horn from a box van. And you remember the horns back then. You know, they're like the probably like, I, I oh, the nah. you know, <laughs> yeah. Or probably just some loud, obnoxious horn because they were like different than the horns we have now, you know. Um, so, OK, so this box van has the name Kaplan's on the, on its side, you mm -hmm. know, and um, it's it basically sped by, just missed him. So he, he crosses the road. He, you know, he he sees Dylan's bookshop. Yeah. And it was like now Dylan's bookshop now is a large store with the name Crips on it instead. C-R-I-P-P-S. No, this is not a gang story. So um, over its entrance, you know, basically with a window displaying women's handbags and shoes at, at Crips. So it's no longer, you know, a bookshop. And uh, so he sees a young woman um, dressed in... Okay, so... He sees a young woman dressed in 90s clothes, hipster jeans, and a sleeveless top. She carried a bag branded Miss Selfridge, a store that wasn't in Liverpool in the 1950s. The modern girl entered Crips looking baffled, and suddenly the whole scene reverted to 1996. Frank asked the young woman if she saw the same thing he'd seen. She said she had. She was frightened, and later it was found the woman that a woman's outfitters called Crips had indeed stood on the site of Dylan's in the 1950s. Yeah. I so mean, two people experiencing that. Right. Right. And that's not even the last of the stories. There's, there's, there's a ton no. more no, and probably one... stories that are unpublished too. Yeah. There was one dude that I read a story about who gets caught shoplifting bolts out of the, of the shop starts running down bold street takes a right down or a left down one of these alleyways the cop follows him and then all of a sudden he finds himself somewhere else it it's everybody where it's like old clothes people are wearing different things i think it was like in the 40s or something like that and he, he was really confused and then all of a sudden winds up back in his time and the like later on people found the police officer reportedly and the police officer or the security guard that was chasing him said that he had just he he was following him into this alley and saw him disappear into thin air. And he was very confused. Now, it wasn't it wasn't I was under the impression that he saw him disappear, but it could have been that once he turned the corner, the guy was just gone and he didn't know where he went. But I'm right. pretty sure the way that it was described in that story, that that security officer saw him disappear into thin air. Right, right. So why right. Bold Street? You know, was that a yeah. fake, would that have been a fake story? Like some of these could be fake, right? But yeah, I mean, it? I well, I think it's interesting to think about the possibilities because of the the um, the whole ghost angle. I mean, like in the whole like embedding of um, memories and emotions into these buildings. But I just like I say, I don't think you can account for these stories with that angle. I just don't think you can because the whole scene changes. It's not just an apparition. It's like the whole, it's like you're in a totally different realm, totally different time zone. Um, the, I've read stories that I clearly have felt known that a person had a psychic, like, like they hit, 
yeah. psychic hit that just overwhelmed all their senses, right? Um, and I don't know if that's a time time slip or not. I mean, I guess it would be, but for it to happen to so many different people there, no, there's something else going on. Totally something else going on. And um, the very, very basic thing, the very, very basic, basic thing conceptually that shows up in remote viewing data around that area. Cause you know, we're not going to look at necessarily look at individual um, events because those are kind of whatever hit or miss. And it's more about like where you have events that happen to multiple people over a period of time, like the Bermuda triangle. Now here, what shows up in the data as the very base thing is, um, is seismic, activity along with electromagnetic fields. I mean, that's like the very basic underlying thing that's causing something to happen. So now UK has got like a lot of ancient fault lines. It's not super um, geologically active in general. I think right. UK probably gets like 300 earthquakes a year, very, very small, um, but it's not necessarily super active but when you have a lot of faults a lot of cracks in the in the crust under where you are there could be just such minute slippage you wouldn't even feel it wouldn't register on equipment that every time they move together it could create an electromagnetic field it's like it's the it's, pacific rim theory yeah right so when you get to clear lake for instance i think i mentioned this before there was a guy todd murphy todd murphy who worked on the god helmet um, and he has this, that device, the Shakti hat where you can, you know, do brainwave stuff. So he had, he had worked with, um, Dr. Persinger out of Laurentian university. Uh, and then he had like Mark, he markets this God helmet version to people. He was investigating. No, he was investigating for a while, the clear Lake area of California because of, of how high the, the, uh, the level of electromagnetic frequencies are there because of the constant movement of plates right that he was because people in that area were reporting various types of phenomena um and this stuff affects the brain it literally will affect the brain on one level right it will it will cause hallucinations if you have a ton of electromagnetic frequently and frequency and that's what he found right that's what he found that it, it's affecting people's brain, but it, it, it is also something outside of that that we see with remote viewing data. And what the data seems to show, you know, there on, on Bold Street would be a little bit similar to that, would be electromagnetic frequency caused by some kind of seismic activity that is, is creating some type of uh, like quantum field phenomena for the people that are in that general area. And I, it wouldn't be like um, necessarily stuck on bold street, right? It wouldn't necessarily be stuck there. It'd be at, around the whole area. Uh, so, I mean, these would probably be imperceptible seismic movements, absolutely imperceptible to people in instruments, um, magnetic anomalies, Basically, yeah, but the earth is huge, about. right? So even a small movement and a shift in that energy, I mean, we're just tiny little organisms here on the planet, you know, in, in comparison to the size of the, of the earth. So perhaps we're sensitive to. to we it. are. Yeah, we absolutely. I mean, solar storms, 
solar storms affect the brain. One thing that we find with remote viewing is that if you remote view when there is a solar storm, it can interfere with the session that you're doing. Um, and that's actually one thing that Todd Murphy has said as well, the creator of the Shakti helmet. He had said that try not to do the sessions with the Shakti helmet during a solar storm because the electromagnetic frequency is going to interrupt signals. Right? Mm. So we, we, are, we are really, we, this is like one of those things that we don't know a whole lot about. And yet we put Wi-Fi and cell signals and all sorts of frequencies around us. We don't know in general what this is doing to us in the long term. And I think that's a dangerous situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially when you compare the technology now to the technology back in the 50s, 40s or 50s, where everything exactly. was analog. I mean, we're we're playing with frequencies that they only had on like gigantic Navy ships <laughs> and they're in right. our home, like right over there, exactly. like, you know, and then and then we put our food in a microwave. Right. You know, and we're we're heating them up on a dimensional frequency plane that we're not even sure where, right. you know, what it is, where it's coming from. Right. Well, right. I, we don't know what any of this stuff is doing. It's it, yeah. it, we, there's so there, there's way more that we, we don't know than, than we do know, but you know, I have a weird, cause you brought it up. I just figured maybe a little tangent is necessary here. You brought up hallucinations, but I have a question for you. Do you think hallucinations exist and, and what i mean by that is a hallucination by definition is basically someone you know th there something happens their body gets tweaked in a certain way and they start seeing things that aren't there but my question is yeah. is that thing not there because okay like some of these you know we had our c's show um a couple of weeks ago we were talking about strange things in the water water weirdness and, you know, we were talking about some of these people at sea that are experiencing, you know, they get tired and their body gets into an altered state, an unhealthy, probably altered state where they're starting to hear beings encouraging them to get themselves into the sea. And it's not the weird thing is like historically, even that's not weird on the seas. You like people. Are, are hearing these voices on the seas, these these beings in the sea that are encouraging them to come take a swim with them. <laughs> I mean, you know, strange stuff. And okay, like look at a look at a computer or a hard drive. Um, any information that happens is data. It's data. It's physical data. Even if it happens in a certain part of the computer, it's still data that's being recorded somewhere. So what if you're keying into another dimension with your altered state and you're just seeing simply seeing the data that's there? Because even if your mind is even if your mind was making it up, the mysteries of the mind, I mean, are endless. Something's happening. It's data somewhere that's going on that's being registered. And I don't think that it's fake. Now, I'm not saying you can touch it in this dimension. I'm just saying it's not fake. Right. Well, that's okay. So when I, yeah, you know, you have a really good point. When I say hallucinations, literally I'm thinking in terms of what the mainstream thinks about something that happens to somebody that nobody else saw. Right. Right. It, that's, a, that is a way to discount 
what it is they saw. Exactly. It had no impact on physical reality that for other people, right? And so that's what makes something real to everybody else or not, right? And if, if it's not, if it didn't happen to everybody else, that it only happened to you, then you're crazy. Right. So, so yeah, right. And you, you, may, you raise a really good point. Hallucination. What the heck is that when you get right down to it? What the heck is a hallucination? Really good point. So think about this, like when it comes to uh, Bold Street. Okay. So you had a, 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 a cop and another woman who had the same experience in that store, who saw the same thing. I think, it was a, I think he wasn't a cop. Was he a cop? Or an ex-cop or something. Oh, yeah. An off-duty policeman. You're right. Off-duty policeman. Right. So, so these two people had a shared hallucination. We just call it a shared hallucination, which is a really fascinating thing. So why would that be? So, you know, in the data, we see that there's electromagnetic frequency um, along with seismic activity that's responsible for it. What if like what you were saying, like, okay, so radio waves are an electromagnetic frequency that carry information. So what if somehow, some way, the electromagnetic frequency is holding the information of the past and, and that when it, it, it gets very active in the area, certain people with certain brain states, the way their brains function, can tune to that frequency and they, only they see it, right? Not everybody sees it. Um, creates a, like a hallucination, but not because their brain is reading the information. It's aligning with the information. The frequency of their brain is aligning with the frequency of the electromagnetic signal that's carrying that information. Like the memory almost. It's carrying right. the memory. Right. Maybe, 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 I mean, that's an idea. Or it could literally be a portal. Right. A portal where you've got the realities coming together. Whoop, the electromagnetic frequencies are causing like in the case of Montauk, you know, where it's 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 creating this little bridge and they're mixing and then going back. And that's another thing that we see with the portal, the whole portal thing. It's like. Here's one of the funny things about what we see with portals is that, you know, you have these two worlds and they come and they overlap. And in that moment of overlap, you see the weird stuff from that other zone, whether it's UFOs, cryptids, strange beings, something from the past. And because those beings there have the vibration of that world, since they were most likely born into that world, like we're born into this world, we're not, necess they're not, we're not necessarily going to like all of a sudden be stuck in their world and they're not necessarily going to be stuck in our world because they have the vibration of that world while, while we don't and they don't have the vibration of our world. And you'll just see this brief window open up where right. it's all mixing together. And these beings that everybody's interacting like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? The cryptids are afraid of us as we're afraid of them because they're like, what the, what the, what the, right? Yeah. So, so that could be happening there as well. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and I wonder, um, you know, I wonder if mirages are, are similar to this, if this, because when you're when you're talking about mirages, it's a it's a very specific recipe of 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 sort of physical um, phenomena that create a mirage. But right. when when we're talking about a mirage, we're not just talking about like an impression of you seeing a city in the distance. Like we're talking about the significant ones where so, like there is heat and a bunch of other things that are causing 
some weather phenomena and then people actually see not like an idea of or an outline of, but an actual city in the distance that you can clearly see, you know? Right. And it's weird. Yeah. Like that yeah. whole thing, like, and, and a lot of this has to do with these strange, like strange kind of phenomena with the earth and weather that's creating a phenomenon. Right. We'll also think about uh, Bold Street there. You're right next to the Mersey River, right next to the Mersey River. You're going to have a lot of um, uh, energy flow. Trans it's a transitional area in a sense. Um there's even tunnels like there's there are tons of tunnels under Liverpool where some guy in the 1800s dug all these tunnels under Liverpool. Nobody knows why he dug them, but they're all very, very nice, well-built tunnels with a lot of weird junk in them. People have heard about them and I guess they've only just started to explore them. Um, so what kind of energy is moving? What kind of energy is 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 being created under that? landscape there and then look at look at uk in general look at all the ley lines that that have been between these these sacred sites and you know we've seen the sacred sites are you know talked about this before they're they're portal in a sense they're energy portals right yeah. and then you've got a lot of ley lines moving through the area and all of this probably contributes to what's going on there on bold street but the main you know and the, the the electromagnetic as well as the seismic type situation is probably also responsible for the telluric energy that moves through ley lines. Probably the same, probably contributes to it. So I, th I think, you know, at base level, we have the, the electromagnetic stuff going on, seismic, seismic, not measurable seismic activity. And secondary would be all these other things like um, like the transitional zone, the Mersey River, flow of water there, uh, even underground through Liverpool in general. And you know, I wonder if energy we don't have the capability of measuring is playing a role, too. I mean, think about exactly what we were, what we were talking about with memory, like water having memory with. I mean, I mean, think about it, right? It's not it's not just water. I mean everything like the universe i would imagine is recording everything it's all data somewhere it exists and there are signatures of that and if and and if the right type of energies are mixing together you get a representation of that specific thing you know books really freak me out <laughs> I, this is why like, do books freak you out books, rob books freak me out because there's a lot of, uh, okay, there have been a couple of friends of mine who have had a really, okay, they've had severe depression or something, right? It, it, like to, to kind of like an absurd extent. And, and I was talking to them, just trying to help them through the situation. And, and I asked them, I said, how many, how many books do you have in your room? And, and I, you know, I was just asking. Yeah. Actually, purely, purely for just data. And they were like, I have tons and tons of books in my room. And I was like, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't think we have the I'm ability. No expert, I'm no expert. I don't burn those we, books. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> we don't have the ability necessarily to record this, but I believe books carry 
a lot of energy because you're talking about the entire thought process that went into writing a book. There are occult books in there. We're talking about a lot of not necessarily good intention that went into creating these books. And so I just said, look, I think you should remove the books from your room and just see how you feel. And, and I, Hey, if I'm wrong, then cool. No problem. Right? So they ended up removing the books and felt heaps better. Well, what do they have? Do they have just a lot there of, were, there were, in, there were in fact, many occult books, one of them being for one of my friends, a book by Helena Blavatsky, which was like Isis unveiled. And it was like probably the first book that got released. That was like a really big occult, like drop, you know, I mean, I mean, Hitler reportedly had this book by his bedside and it was what allowed him to create his like Aryan theory, you know, well, according yeah, to some yeah, researchers. Right, right. Well, so, you know, I mean, you're right. I'm yeah. Books have books are energetic reservoirs for sure. Every everything's energy. Everything is a frequency. Everything is a frequency. That's all it is. So books are going to be a frequency too. Yeah, you know it is. It's really be careful what you put around you. Yeah, I mean, and and so I just thought it was weird because two separate friends having this issue, and and both of them had to with. And you're like, <laughs> and you're like, just remove the books remove the books. Why not try it? And, That's and really it, fascinating. what was weird is it, the, the pressure, whatever it was lifted from both of these people from that suggestion. I That's can't explain really it. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. But I mean, I have tons of books. I've got tons of books. Sure. I don't have dark stuff though. I have, oh, right. um, I there have was... like Zen, spiritual, weird, paranormal stuff. Not, not dark. I don't like the dark stuff. No. And yeah. there was there was dark stuff in their in their list of books, no doubt, you know, and 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 eventually they decided themselves to basically destroy the books. Destroy. And they destroyed the books because it they they felt like there was still these remnants of right. the whatever it was. And then when they got rid of the books, it like. They didn't have the same react feeling, whatever. it yeah. was. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, when you're empathetic, what? You know, it's a funny thing. I mean, most people don't necessarily think in terms of other frequencies impacting us on a level that we can't perceive with our basic five senses. If we can't perceive it doing something to us with our basic five senses, then it doesn't exist. That's just pretty much the borderline for most people. But for people who are empathic, who are sensitive, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, that's and, why I think a lot of very empathic people don't necessarily choose to be around energies that are dark or yeah, get for dark sure. books because you could, could feel it. Well, and, and, and it. I mean, think about it like a book, a book is a portal. You're you're literally seeing into another world. You're experiencing another world in that book and you're going there to some extent. Right. Right. You're the like, think about the amount of visuals that are actually coming into your head, the imagery that's coming into your head while you're reading something. And, and if and if what we were talking about before is true, where data is in existence and it's being recorded. All this stuff exists somewhere. It's data. Yeah. So what you put into your body and into your head becomes kind of an important thing. 
It does, right? I mean, you know, you can re- you can remote view you can remote view a book and get the gist of it too. You know, I mean, there you go. So it's yeah. carrying some kind of signature, some kind of right. energy signature. It has a meaning behind it, for better right. or for worse. You know, that's just I, I didn't expect to go here in this episode, but um, that's yeah, tangent what I love about this <laughs> this show. Um, so yeah, I think what the reason why I brought that up is because. I believe there are a bunch of book old bookshops on Bold Street. Hmm. And and one of the the stories we just read contained a bookstore and it and it's a little bit it's a little bit strange like what was it Crips or whatever? Crips bookshop yeah. Dylan's bookshop. Dylan's bookshop was it what what it was called. But I just think it's strange that like maybe it is a mixture of of physical activity mixed with energy that we can't yet detect and or uh measure i mean um but you know we in the uk like this isn't the only story like there's a bunch of in uk we know how old the uk is england is but have you heard of a guy named um sir robert victor goddard it's really strange story yeah tell me about it so he he was a 1935 wing commander oh Um, yeah that one that's the one that i thought might have happened at the bermuda triangle but yeah sell it tell it yeah so he's flying he's flying over in a an old airfield and you know i think it was during one of the during one of these i don't know if it was wartime or what but it was like he's in he's in the air force right and um he, he he sees this yellow cloud very strange looking yellow cloud he's amidst the cloud he looks down at this old abandoned airfield and all of a sudden it's populated. The old abandoned airfield is populated right. and there are these strange yellow planes and people in blue suits down there working on stuff. Right. And um, so he, he, he thinks it's really strange, but he's also afraid of, of telling anyone about what he experienced and what he saw. Um, you know, fast forward about, I, uh, you know, five years or something like that. This, this now what's strange about this too, is the planes at the time at his time were white, the planes were white and the suits of, of mechanics were Brown. Okay. Now he sees yellow planes and blue suits on the ground. Fast forward five years. He somehow happens upon this old abandoned field i think it's called like dern or something durst dern something because of d anyway he sees the exact planes that he saw after he entered this yellow cloud these yellow planes they had changed the planes to these yellow planes and the guys in suits the mechanics that were working on it were in blue outfits and so later on in his life, when, you know, he just stopped caring about what people thought about him because he didn't want to talk about it when he was young because everyone would have thought he was crazy, which is the unfortunate problem in our society is we can't talk about these things without being called crazy, you know, and and it shouldn't be that way. I wish it wasn't because we'd know a lot more about what was going on, you know, if, if we could talk about these things. But, you know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. a lot of people making stuff up, too. But anyway. He ends up writing a book. Um, Lindsay, maybe you can you can pull it up um, for from Sir Robert Victor Goddard about this story. And um, no one to the day can really explain what happened. And I mean, the dude 
old old wing commander kind of no real reason for him to to wait that all of that to have like this like fake success you know what i mean right yeah exactly uh but john you had your own time slip that happened to you while you were remote viewing yeah i mean i yeah I've, I've talked about this before it's in my book too um where i've i've talked about this particular experience but it was a really weird experience because obviously this wasn't like what we're finding here with these time slip stories mm. it was a different type of time slip but i do think that these things can occur um in different ways and not just one way because i think that the psychic time slip is can be as just crazy as these other time slips so i was i was in training so this was this would be like the 1990s and i was in training with remote viewing and there was a bunch of us that were in a room and and every remote viewer had a monitor with them and I had a monitor and I was viewing. And so obviously, you know, I'm blind. I don't know what I'm remote viewing. The monitor's there to just like keep me on track and stuff. And so I'm perceiving this house on fire and I'm in the interior of the house and I'm just describing what's going on. And then I would shift scenes and I would see this like long metal tube with a person in there and they're looking at maps and looking through scopes. And so I'm going back and forth and back and forth describing these two scenes. My monitor tells me to basically um, <clears throat> go to the door of the house and open the door and go outside. So I stand up and I kind of act it out and I open the door to go outside. And the moment that I like, like stepped outside, is when this whole other world appeared before me, like I was literally in it. And, and I was in this city on fire, completely, utterly, totally on fire. And I started to basically kind of run in place because I kind of thought that I was there. I didn't know what had happened. And I started to yell, I'm in Dresden, I'm on fire. You know, the other remote viewers are going, what the heck's going on with this guy? Because <laughs> I'm like, ah, I'm in Dresden, I'm on fire. And so, so <laughs> my monitor like, like, like brings me back. And like, as I was there, it was like, there was, a, there was cobblestone streets. I could see these like steeples because I'm looking around as I'm running and I could see these steeples and big buildings and it's just nighttime and it's all in flames, all of it's in flames. And, and even though I'm blind in the session, I knew, I don't know how, I just knew that it was Dresden in Germany during World War II. I knew it. I mean, I knew it because I was there and I don't, I mean, I was there. And so when my monitor pulled me out because I was probably being a spaz, um, he's, he's, he told me immediately that that's what the tasking was. It was Dresden firebombing dur during World War II. Now, that here's the the really really curious part is that I have burn marks. I had because all the viewers came up to me, and they're like, "What's going on?" And they noticed that my face had burn marks, my neck had burn marks, and they persisted for about 10, 10 ish minutes or so, and then went away. And I felt like 
I had been on fire. So I think that that was a really, really curious incident. In, incident. I mean, it, this was like, I don't know what happened. It was like astral, an astral time slip, mm. but I had a physical effect that occurred to me because of this. Now, was it an empathetic um, situation? I have no idea. I was there, but I was there. I could feel it. I knew I was there and I brought back the marks of being there. So that's my personal, personal. Mm. Has that ever happened to you before? I mean, or again, no, never, not, not coming back with marks. Now in remote viewing, we have bilocation and I've bilocated to the point where it's been as clear as that Dresden stuff, um, that Dresden event, but never have come back with the marks ever come back from the, with the marks ever. You know, I wonder if a weird theory about what happened. I mean, it could have just been. It could have just been like a once a one time deal, right? Where we're like you were just too far there, like you were too in, right. the, like you know you're actually experiencing it. But I wonder if, I wonder what would happen if you unwittingly got tasked to remote view something that you had another life in, like you, you know, like that is a good, previous... that's a good, that's a good point because I wonder it's just so different than the other circumstances where you, you are as clearly you're there, but you don't come back with the actual memory of physical memory of, of actually being there. And, you know, maybe you were in Dresden in a different lifetime or something. It, it and literally could be as something as simple as that. It, it definitely could be. Yeah. I mean, on, you know, on the outside of that, one thing that we we do see is that during remote viewing sessions that are like um, off planet, like if we're remote viewing the moon or Mars or whatever, um, by location experiences happen more frequently. Mm. Um, uh, you know, by location is when when literally you you feel as though you are there because you see everything like in technicolor. If things usually start off solarized, kind of solarized. That's actually one of the clues to to by location is the beginning of solarization. Like when you step into it, like it's solarized. And then it comes into, into view. It kind of snaps into view and you have like this amount of movement within a scene. And you can literally like, almost feels like you can touch things as mm. they're in front of you. I remember one time I bilocated on the moon into a crater and I was standing in front of um, the crater wall with this big airlock door that went into it. No yeah, way. I mean, this was a blind tasking. I was blind to it. So I didn't know what it was. You know, when I got my feedback, it was to remote view um, into the Aristarchus, Aristarchus crater. And when I had remote viewed it, I, I literally was there, bilocated. There was this big airlock door into the side of the crater. I saw these beings and they they were out into the field of the crater after, yeah. after I was looking at that door. Cause like you get, you have limited movement. And I looked out into the crater and there are these beings who probably like three to four feet tall. They look like capers. You know how a caper is the green, they were yeah. kind of wrinkled. They were out in the field. It's like they were working and they noticed me. They noticed me and they came at me and I, I left immediately after that. Just so left. you mean like you were like, ah, oh, get out of this. Yeah, like, got to get out, got to leave. 
So while that wasn't like I didn't come back with physical effects, there was something there that noticed me. Wow. Yeah, and then I get my feedback and I'm tasked on the Aristarchus crater, right? Um, but we see like this, this, this bilocation phenomena happens more so when we view off-planet stuff. And that's probably got something to do with a less amount of psychic noise as opposed to viewing stuff on Earth, right? Less yeah. psychic noise in those realms. This was an awesome episode. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I uh, hope you all at home enjoyed this conversation on time slips. We're going to have to wrap it up here. Um, yeah, <laughs> we've got a long laundry list of things we're going to be talking about. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back next week, Tuesday, with another show. And um, yeah, John, thanks so much for, for being here. And I would really love to hear people's comments on this. So please, wherever you're watching us, be it Spotify. Give us your ideas on what this is, on what these are. Yeah. Please do. And Talk your own experiences. experiences. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got any, note them down there, uh, YouTube comment, whatever it is. If you're on Rise TV, wherever you are, we'd love to hear from you guys and just let us know what you think about all of this strange phenomena that you've come across, or even if you have requests for shows that you'd like us to do. And John, uh, thank you so much for being here. It's been yeah, always a great pleasure. time. And um, yeah, um, after this, I'd like to get a couple of taskings from you and start trying it out myself. You got so, it. All right. You already know how to view. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know. I'm a. Yeah, you can do it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Anyone for can. <laughs> well, you guys, uh, thanks so much, and we'll see y'all next time. <laughs>